Welcome back. This is Robert Fleming, one of the partners in the Tucson, Arizona elder law firm of Fleming and Curdy PLC. One of the other partners, Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman, is across the table from me. You're listening to Elder Law Issues, our weekly podcast. Elizabeth, I'm glad you could be back today. Thank you, Robert. It's been quite the busy week, and I'm looking forward to learning a little bit about FDIC rules with you today. (laughs) I didn't know that you were going to learn. I thought you were going to teach. (laughs) We thought we would talk about the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, FDIC. It's been much in the news the last couple of weeks with the failure of a couple of American banks and and the uh, the risky position of at least one big national international bank. Uh, so uh, I think a lot of people are a little concerned about whether their deposits at banks are covered, whether they need to get all of their cash out of the bank and put it in in uh, uh, notes stuck under their under their mattress or. What I thought you were going to say gold bars. Yeah, I, I might not be able to get gold bars fast enough. But hey, the real news is. No, you don't need to empty your bank account and stuff cash into the mattress. Uh, Most people just don't have to worry about FDIC limits because every account, every account or every uh, depositor, I guess I should say, is covered for $250,000. You just don't have to worry about any of this unless you have more than $250,000 in the bank. If you have $250,000 in a brokerage account or some other kind of investment, well, that's a separate issue. It might not be covered at all by the FDIC insurance, probably isn't. But, uh, but if you have just bank accounts, first basic issue is that you get $250,000 of coverage. What's, what gets confusing, Elizabeth, and I thought maybe you could help us walk through a little bit, is all of the variations depending on multiple account owners and types of accounts and all of the other goofy rules. And Robert, you you mentioned these goofy rules. For those of you listening today, I don't want anybody to feel stupid or dumb. The rules actually are not as clear as you might think they should be. And you and I, Robert, over the course of the last seven to nine days have spoken to a number of bankers who actually aren't sure of the rules themselves, which... And sometimes tell us wrong, not just aren't sure, but we've gotten some wrong advice from several bankers. Not horribly wrong, but uh, but they misunderstand the rules too. And so the rules around, around these FDIC limits, I would tell everybody who's listening to us, um, they are evolving, and, and we'll talk a little bit about how they're evolving, but if you are listening and thinking, oh my gosh, I don't understand any of this, it's all right. <laughs> Not many people have, and one of the reasons is, as Robert has indicated, we really haven't needed to look and and spend time thinking too much about these rules in recent years. One other thing, Robert, that I think is important to note, I just want to slow down a moment because this is really the first step of analysis. It is critical that when we look at an account that we do some analysis about the type of account, which you've indicated, a checking account is different than an investment account that might be a brokerage account at a bank, at a large financial institution. And when we think about the FDIC rules, it's really important for folks to just slow down and initially identify the type of account and institution and the purpose of the account. So really, we look at things and we think about our checking accounts, where our paychecks might come, where Social Security might deposit funds. Those are fundamentally different types of accounts than an account where we might have money that has been invested into the stock market and purchased shares of something like Exxon or an ETF. 
And when we think about the checking accounts, the way that, that I've been talking to our clients this past week is making sure that people understand when I have a checking account at a bank and my money is sitting there in cash in the checking account, the bank is going to then show that on their balance sheet. It's fundamentally a different type of thing than, say, an investment that's being held in an account um, that might be, say, shares of a type of stock. And Robert, have you found that people just totally gloss over and they glump together all of the various types of accounts? I think it's very confusing for people, precisely because a lot of banks are also in the brokerage business. So your brokerage account at Big Friendly National Bank and your bank account are separate things. The bank account is insured. And and Elizabeth, you say checking account, but it's also savings accounts, certificates of deposit. Any other account at Big Friendly National Bank is covered, just not the brokerage account. And as long as we're talking about types of accounts, we also need to say credit union accounts are not covered by the FDIC. They have their own insurance, uh, and it's very similar. $250,000 limits, many of the same same rules, but it's not run by the FDIC, which is a quasi-government entity. If you want to know more about the FDIC, you can look at them at fdic.gov, so right away you know it's run by the government, uh, and, uh, and their rules are all there. I got to say that, you know, we talk occasionally about the the website of websites of government agencies, the IRS, Social Security Administration, their websites are great. They really give you concrete information, easily easily written to be understood. FDIC, they apparently do not use the same webmasters as those other government programs. I, I find their website really difficult to understand, and their description of the insurance coverage really opaque. It's really hard to figure out what they're trying to say. It, I think that's true, Robert, and I think the thing that we can do for our listeners today is do a couple of hypotheticals. So let's start with something very basic. Let's think about a checking account that's in my name at the Friendly National Bank. And when we look at the limits on that checking account, which would be under my social security number, that would be the tax ID associated with the account, the FDIC limit is going to be $250,000. Now, it's important for those of you who are thinking, well, my goodness, I have four different checking, savings accounts, certificates of deposit, all at the same friendly national bank. Well, you have to remember you have a limit of $250,000 total. Of all your big, friendly national bank deposits. Correct. And that's one thing, Robert, I think that there's been some misunderstandings about. So people opening up additional accounts in the same financial institution and similar types of accounts, so checking, savings, and trying to spread their money out, thinking that the FDIC limit is per account. So that's the first rumor we really need to dispel today. But Elizabeth, if you put your husband Doug's name on that account, you just doubled the coverage to $500,000 because you each get coverage. So that's one way to have larger accounts, though I got to ask Elizabeth why you have $500,000 in a checking account. But okay, you do for whatever reason, as long as you and Doug are both on the account, The FDIC assumes that it's equally owned. It's not because you're married. It could be you and me with $500,000 in an account. They just assume that all of the people named on the account own an equal interest. 
that doubles the coverage. So long as you and neither you nor Doug have any other accounts at Big Friendly National Bank. Right, Robert. So I think that's an important point for folks to, to consider. Now, here's some something else that people have been wondering. Well, Robert, if Doug and I have a joint account at Friendly National Bank, and you and Rhonda are listed as the pay-on-death beneficiaries on that account, it does not change the FDIC limits on that account. We do not all of a sudden get $250,000 in addition for you and for Rhonda. It is a total of who we have to look at who the owners of that account are. In that case, it's me and Doug. So we have we can put our $250,000 limits together, but we can't add the folks who might be listed as pay-on-death beneficiaries. What if you and Doug decided to create a joint revocable trust and you put your $500,000 in, you are co-trustees of the trust and you are the lifetime beneficiaries, but your trust says that on your death, and thank you for this, by the way, all of your assets go to Rhonda and me. Does that increase the coverage? No, Robert, we're still the owners. And so we have to look at me and we have to look at Doug. We each have up to $250,000 of FDIC insurance in our revocable trust. This is an important distinction for people to recognize. If I have money in a revocable trust, it's essentially just like money in my own pocketbook. So we're not going to have a different type of tax ID. We're looking straight to straight through the revocable trust to who are the owners, who are the trustors, who created that trust. Those are the two individuals in this hypothetical that would both have the FDIC coverage. And that's right, the reason why we'd ha- we would have up to $500,000 for that particular account. There's one odd wrinkle here, and it's a wrinkle that we can explain, but it's not going to last very long. It's going to change in about a year. But right now, if you and Doug made that trust irrevocable and Rhonda and I were the remainder beneficiaries, suddenly you get four individuals. You get a million dollars of coverage, 250,000 times four. What's going to change is that as of next April, the FDIC is going to say, wait a minute, we only care about the people who are current beneficiaries in this imaginary irrevocable trust. That would be you and Doug. Uh, until you both die, and then we only care about the remainder beneficiaries. So uh, the irrevocable trust dodge is no longer, it's not really a dodge, but it's no longer available uh, to increase the number of people. Here's the one that that trips people up quite often. What about decedents' estates? My mother died uh, last, last month, two months ago, gosh, three months ago, four months ago, Okay, last year, let's say, and she left an estate of a million dollars and four beneficiaries. So there's a million dollars in the account just waiting to be distributed. By the way, this is totally fictional. My mother did not die with a million dollars. But okay, Uh, there was a million dollars waiting for the period of the probate to be divided among her four beneficiaries. How much does that account have in coverage? $250,000, Robert, and, and that's important for people to know. So we need to get that probate wrapped up and distributed pretty quickly. That's correct. And Robert, remember, you can't all of a sudden start buying CDs that are owned by the estate to spread out or get additional FDIC coverage. The estate is going to be covered for $250,000 at the Friendly National Bank. And I want to be clear, you say we can't buy CDs. You mean we can't buy CDs at Big Friendly National Bank. We could buy them at Little Regional Friendly Bank and uh, and City of Tucson Friendly Bank and all of the other banks, as long as no one of those banks exceeds 
$250,000. Correct, Robert. So there's some ways to work around it. And in fact, if you are a multimillionaire, you can actually get full FDIC coverage for your, for your multi-millions in, in bank accounts, but mostly by spreading them around among different banks or using a program that is sometimes called CDARS. CDARS is the Certificate of Deposit Account Registry Service, which allows Big Friendly National Bank to lay off the certificates of deposit onto a bunch of other banks to maximize the coverage. And you could get coverage for millions of dollars in a single account by using the CDARS program. And, and so there are ways around this, but you need to be very cognizant, depositors out there, that the way you title the account, the particular kinds of accounts you have, and the, the, the real beneficial owners of the accounts can all be important in calculating what kind of FDIC coverage we have. That's exactly right, Robert. And I think that for folks who are scratching their heads and fretting and kind of wondering what to do, the first thing is to just slow down and, and make yourself a list of the facts, the facts that you and I have gone through today, the type of account, who's on the account, all those kinds of details. And really, don't don't think that a teller at a bank is going to be able to guide you through the FDIC limits. People are in a scramble right now, Robert, trying to figure out the rules. And so if you have questions, I tell people, start with collecting your own information and then formulate your questions. I think that we have some people, Robert, who have called our office this week and have asked, you know, are they, should they take, as you said, all of their money out of the accounts? The answer is no. The chances at this point of having lots of additional banks go under all on the same 11th hour on the same day is very unlikely, partially because of the way the government has stepped in this week. And when you're making that, that list of facts about your account, start with this one. How much do you have in bank accounts altogether? And if the number is less than $250,000, you don't have to finish the chart. You are covered. So, uh, you know, it's really only people who have a significant amount of cash in bank accounts, not brokerage accounts, not credit union accounts, who have to worry about any of this. So everybody, as Elizabeth says, take a deep breath. You probably are not at risk, and it's not very hard to protect yourself if you are. And with that, thank you for joining us for Elder Law Issues. I'm Robert Fleming, one of the partners at the Tucson, Arizona Elder Law Firm of Fleming & Curdy PLC. And my co-presenter, Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman, is one of the other partners at Fleming and Curdy. We love talking about elder law issues. We're going to do it again next week. We hope you're there.